and verse number 15. Genesis 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's pray. Father, we pray today in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'd have me to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us liberty, Lord. I pray you bind every devil, every demon, every false spirit, every hindering work of God, anything that would grieve or quench the Spirit of God in any way. We pray, God, that you would absolutely just demolish the devil's volunteer fire department. God, put them out of business and help us, Lord, to see a fire started, a fire stirred, and a fire God stoked. And Lord, I praise you and thank you, Lord, for all that you are and what you got in store for us tonight. We'll do our best to get out of the way. We pray you'd preach us. Thank you, Lord, for directing our thoughts this way a few days ago and then just kind of making it clear this afternoon. And uh, Lord, you'd, if you'd help me, Lord, I want to see souls helped and lives changed and I know the word of God tells us, uh, Lord, that if we come hungry, we'll be filled. If we've come thirsty, then we'll have our thirst quenched. And, Lord, we're hungry. We're thirsty. We need you to breathe on us today. We can't, we can't organize a revival. We can't schedule a revival. No man can produce revival. Uh, Lord, all we can do is hoist up our sail and pray the wind of the Holy Ghost would give us revival. And, Lord, we need that. We need stirring in our soul. We need the help of God. Help us, Lord, to give glory to you and to see lives forever change. Somebody lost, please save them, but get glory out of everything. I pray you'll get big, we'll get little. And we'll all leave here happy in Jesus' name. We pray, and all God's people say, "Amen." If, if the Lord to help me just for a little while before I get into my text verse, I, I want to walk through the text in chapter number three and kind of give us a background of where we're at in Genesis chapter number three and verse number fifteen. What I want to preach on tonight is what I feel like is the greatest text in the Bible. I believe that everything, all 66 books can wrap up in Genesis 3.15. I feel like it, it, Genesis 3.15 is the germination place. It's the seed plot. It's where, a matter of fact, a bridger called me the other day and said, you got any of them old heirloom corn? I said, yeah, I got some. I got them in my safe. And he said, I need some. I, I, I didn't have enough sense to put some back. I need some. And I said, well, I'll give you some. And uh, those are originally can be traced way back, I mean, thousands of years. It's the, it's, it's the germination. This right here is where it all starts, Brother Scott. I, I believe at Genesis 3.15, all the Bible is an expounding of this verse. But make sure we're on the same page. Let's think about what's happening in Genesis in chapter number 3. I, that sorry devil, the serpent, has has in the form of a serpent has come to Eve. And, and uh, notice with me the conniving of the serpent in Genesis 3 verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field and which the Lord God had made. And if you don't think he's subtle, then you ain't, you ain't been around it much because I'm going to tell you right now, he's sneaky, he's conniving. And, and you say, Preacher, I can handle him. Well, ask Eve because look, look what happened. In Genesis chapter 3, look where a stroll with the devil will take you. It'll take you to the place you don't want to go. You'll end up doing
doing what you don't want to do, you'll end up causing other people to fall and you didn't mean for it to happen. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, we find Eve, she's talking to the serpent. You ain't got no business talking to the devil anyway. Why don't you just turn him over to God? Submit yourself to the Lord and resist the devil and the Bible said he'll flee. Let your big brother handle it. Say amen right there. Amen. Talking to the servant is going to take you to a place. But after a short conversation, she finds herself in verse number 6 at the tree. She's standing at the tree. She started in the conversation. It speaks as if the tree is off in the distance. But in verse number 6, she has wound up now and she's at the tree. When the woman saw that the tree was good, she's within seeing distance. She's within reaching distance. And she's within eating distance. And a stroll with the devil. You better watch him. He's sneaky. He's subtle. And it'll end up taking you somewhere you didn't want to go. Right now, right now, you're thinking in your mind, I can handle it. I I can handle whatever comes my my way. But if you go to messing around and doing the things you shouldn't do, you'll end up within seeing distance, reaching distance, and eating distance of things you shouldn't have. Then notice the curse of the serpent. Look in verse number 14. The Bible said in verse number 14, The Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go. I, I like to say right there, that's the first time another one bit the dust. Somebody say amen. Woo, amen, a curse for the serpent. The first one to get the curse, what man, what woman? It was the devil, and because he initiated the fall, so we see the curse of the serpent. I don't want to stay there long, but I'm going to say this. He's crawling on his belly, and uh, we can see the repercussions of that even now. But then notice the conquering of the serpent. That's what I want to deal with tonight. Our text is chapter number 3 and verse number 15. Uh, there's a conflict. He said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He said this. He said, there's going to be a conquest. Her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and though, though you will bruise his heel, that seed of the woman, which is non-existence, speaking to the virginity of the, amen, the virgin birth. Thank God. He said, that will bruise your head. So everybody understands we're here in Genesis in chapter 3. He's conniving. This devil, he is cursed. But thank God we can shout today because the sorry devil has been conquered. He is, he has been conquered at Calvary. His dead's been, his head's been smashed in at Calvary. And by the way, the best way to kill a serpent is to stomp his head because his old fangs will puncture his poison sack and he'll end up killing himself. Amen. I See, the devil thought he had the Lord right where he wanted him and all that was was the sovereignty of God letting the devil play right into the hands of the Savior. Amen. Thank God. I want you to notice with me tonight. Here's my thought tonight. This text, this, this seed plot. Notice with me. Let's walk through the text right quick one more time. As Let's read it slow. Let's read it just a little bit. For the Lord to give me a voice, I about shouted her out this week. And I, that's God, will put enmity between thee, talking to Satan, and the woman, that's Eve, and her seed line, between thy seed, that is the seed of the serpent, 
and her seed, the seed of the woman, and it, the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy, that is Satan's head, and thou, that is Satan, shall bruise his, the seed of the woman's heel. The rest of the Bible expounds on this verse in Genesis 3 and 15. In Genesis 3, 15, we see John 3, 16. It's the first prophecy of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey Amen. Hey Amen. We see the embryo that everything else that's going to be revealed. Notice, I, I like this part. Just want to say this, just to make the devil mad right off the bat. Notice what the Bible says. Hey Amen. And and he and and the Bible said, "It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his." Heal. I'm glad our Savior is a masculine. He's a man. Somebody say amen. Shout bruise thy head. So we know that the Savior is going to be the human race. Chapter 3 verse 15. According to chapter 12 and verse 3, we know that it's going to be the seed of Abraham. According to chapter 49 verse 10, he's going to be the tribe of Judah. Amen. According to 2 Samuel 7 and verse 16, he's going to be of the, he's going to be of the family of David. And according to Isaiah 7 and 14, he's going to be a virgin born man. Nobody has ever been born like Jesus. Nobody has ever lived like Jesus. Nobody has ever died like Jesus. And nobody ever got up like Jesus. And by the way, ain't nobody ever came back like Jesus is going to come back. Woo! Amen. Now here's what I'm saying. I'm just going to give you some thoughts tonight. I want you to go home and study them and see if I'm not telling, telling you right. If the Lord help me, I'm going to share with you what I feel like are seven things that are laid out in verse number 15. Notice with me, you see the first and the second coming of Christ. Notice the first coming, the Bible talks about his heel being bruised. His first, that's his earthly life. That's when Jesus went to Calvary. But we see his second coming and the fact that the serpent head is crushed. Now yes, his head was crushed at Calvary, but one day he's going to be really crushed and finally crushed when the devil and the false prophet and the antichrist are going to be thrown in the lake of fire and once and for all we're going to be rid of that sorry devil. I think we ought to shout this night that the fact the devil is going to get what's coming to him and we going to get better than we deserve. Amen. Hallelujah. The second coming, the heart of God. Amen. He's going to rule. He's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll put down every rebellion. He'll kill. Amen. All those who stand against his people and finally and once and for all we'll rule with him. Amen. Forever and ever. Amen. Thanks be unto God. Hallelujah.
hallelujah, we see the first and the second coming in chapter 3 and verse 15, the seed plot of the whole Bible. But look at the second thing in this verse. We see the virgin birth of our Savior. Notice what the Bible says. He says the seed of the woman. Christ is the only one that has ever been born like that. He's the only one that could be the seed of the woman. He's the first, amen. He didn't Adam. Adam was the only person who was born without man, amen, without man or woman. And then Eve came into existence without woman. She came from the rib of man. So Adam came from dust. When dust met deity, amen, God breathed life into him and man became a living soul. And different than any other thing that was created. God made man in his image and likeness. How many of you believe that God's not a monkey? Can you say amen? Amen. He made man in his own image. And he breathed into man and man became a living soul. And so we know that man's different. He, Adam was here and he was out here without the man or woman. Eve came without woman just by man. We see several miraculous births. God moved on Sarah and her womb though dead brought life and Abraham and Sarah had a son. That was a miraculous birth. We see it again in Abraham's line. All through the Bible there's times of miraculous birth when Elijah is taken care of by the widow. Amen. And she builds him a prophet chamber. And even though she couldn't have a kid, he told her by, by the time of life, you're going to have a son. And God let a miraculous thing take place and there was a birth. But there's never been a birth like Jesus' birth. Mary did she wasn't just a maid. She wasn't just somebody who had in a relationship out of wedlock. Mary was a virgin and Isaiah saw it and he said a virgin shall conceive and bring forth. That's the only way because a woman doesn't have a seed. It had to be something supernatural when God put the seed inside the woman and that's why Jesus is the only one that could fulfill Genesis 3.15. It's a prophetic picture that the Savior's coming. We see the first and second coming. We see the virgin birth. But also in this verse in chapter 3 and verse 15, we see the death of Christ. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Everybody here knows that, that Satan uh, entered into Jesus, Judas and accomplished through Judas. Hey, remember that wicked counsel and the determinant counsel so, oh, but it was all playing into the foreknowledge of God and they crucified our Lord and they took him to the scourging pole and they beat him 39 times plus one amen and they beat him and they said it's probably 260 stripes can you imagine somebody having to endure that who had never cussed who had never back talked his mama who had never done one sin never had one bad fall never had God but he was crucified like a common criminal dying for sins that wasn't his own and his feet beyond recognition and then they bludgeoned him in the head and then they placed the crown of thorns upon his head and then they took him amen after
after he carried his own cross and Simon picked that back part up, I feel like, and just made the weight heavier on him. And when he get to Calvary, I'll go Gotha and nail his hands and nail his feet and then set that cross in the ground. Psalms 22 is fulfilled. Every bone went out of joint. Isaiah said he looks unrecognizable on the cross and he did, that was terrible. Uh, the physical shame and agony and nobody should have had to go through that. That was sinless and pure. It was God incarnated in flesh. God at his best. Man at his worst. God showing his love. Man showing his hatred. God doing what he came to do. And man did what he wanted to do. Oh yes. And gambled over his clothes. They mocked and spit at him. And they said come down. Come down. If you're a savior we'll believe you. But they spit in his face. They made fun of him. That wasn't the worst. The worst thing is when God had to place all of our sin on him and he turned the lights off and for three hours in the dark he, he suffered our hell and he suffered separation from God. God, amen, forsaken by God so man could be reconciled to God. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's because sin was on him. That's caused the pain of hell and the suffering that we deserve was on him. But he know, we know, we know that it was accepted because the last things he says, his father, that relationship's restored, payments made. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he died in control of his own death, dismissed his spirit. He said, it is finished. Pay, payments made. Debt's paid. Anybody that'll repent and call on me can be saved. You see, his heel was bruised. Whoa! But thank God, Satan's head was smashed in at the same time. Amen. Well, here in Genesis 3.15, we see his virgin born. We see his going to die at Calvary. Amen. We also see his resurrection. Amen. Right here in Genesis 3.15. You say, preacher, I don't see that. Well, I didn't either. Here's what the Holy Ghost showed me, though. He said, it shall, he said, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. Now, I know, and you know, that the Bible says, turn over to Hebrews chapter number 2, amen, and verse number 9. I just want to make sure. Everybody knows where we stand doctrinally. Amen. So turn over here to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace amen, of God. Amen. I should taste death. Somebody say that with me. For every man. 
Hebrews 2 verse 9 that he by the grace of God should taste death say it with me church for every man that he by the grace of God should taste death say it with me church for every man and we know we know that Satan's hip was bruised look at verse 14 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same. The word was made flesh. I dwelled among us. Amen. That through death he might destroy him. That's the devil that had the power of death. That is the devil. But we'll look what happened. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hey church, what I'm saying. Ain't you glad? Uh, Satan's head was bruised at Calvary. Oh, but listen, uh, for him to really uh, do away with the devil, he's going to have to come back. He's going to have to come back after his heel's been bruised. He's going to have to come back after he's been buried. So in Genesis 3.15, for him to prove to smite the head of the serpent, there has to be a resurrection. I'm so glad. Thank God even in verse 15 we see thank God the resurrection. He's in Revelation. He's the lamb slain but he's the lamb that stood. The only way a lamb can be standing after he's been slain is there had to be a resurrection. Ain't you glad he got up church? He was delivered for your offenses but he was raised again for our justification. He died for sinners. Amen. And he rose for believers. Ain't you glad that when you was on your way to hell God opens your eyes and lets you see yourself lost and on the way to hell. The only way you can get saved is God's got to turn a light on. God's got to show you lost. And when he shows you lost you can come to him and be saved. Oh hallelujah. In Genesis 3.15 we find not only first and second coming of Christ, virgin birth of Christ, death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. We see the enmity. In this verse we have the enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman, between the Antichrist and the Christ. Amen. In Revelations 19, amen, Christ is going to take that Antichrist and he's going to throw him off into hell. And we know that hell's forever because they'll be burning there while we're reigning on, on earth for a, a thousand years. Hey man, and the Bible says the beast and the false prophet are there where the devil is going to be thrown. Hey, ain't you glad? Now we have the spirit of Antichrist in 20 and 21. We have it knocking on our doors. They ride 10 speeds. Hey man, they have little things on the church that say, uh, hey man, everybody all right? Jehovah Witness, hey man, Mormons, they deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Anybody that does that, according to 1 John, has the spirit of Antichrist. We're not supposed to invite them in. We're not supposed to make supper for them. We're not supposed to say Godspeed. We're not so amen. We're not supposed to be, amen, that's the Bible. I, I believe we ought to do like,
like Bob McCurry did. Pulled up beside two of them riding their 10 speeds. They was knocking on doors, spreading a lie. Bob McCurry pulled up beside of them, rolled down his window and his F-150 pickup truck and said, if y'all boys get saved, God might let you drive a Ford pickup instead of a 10 speed. Amen. All I know is, friend, thank God, thank God, we know that Jesus became flesh. That's the spirit of Antichrist that denies that. But one day, it's not just the spirit. There's going to be a literal person. I'm going to tell you how real it is. Daniel says that that person of Antichrist is not going to have a desire for a woman. He's going to be a ruler that's going to be accepted, infused with power from Satan, have false preachers to build him up, and he's going to be a flaming sodomite. Is everybody okay? Everybody take a deep breath. That's preaching time, amen. I was feeling sweet, and I was just going to give you a few thoughts and go down the road, but I'm about to have a good time tonight. Hey, man, it's wrong. It's always been wrong. It's forever going to be wrong. And the Antichrist is going to come with that kind of atmosphere, that kind of attitude, that kind of desire. And what you see going on in society is just the devil's way of making society, society acceptable to an Antichrist who will be like them. He might as well say amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. It ain't San Francisco and Asheville. It's on every corner now. Amen. In this verse, we find that enmity uh, between Satan's seed and the seed of the woman, between the Savior and the Antichrist. But it's not just not just that Antichrist. It's the Antichrist systems. It's the policies that will be prevailing in the time when the Antichrist will reveal himself. We're seeing that in our day. I, I preached a message one time. When technology lines up with truth, the Antichrist will reveal himself. This stuff going on today is just a test subject. It's a test motive for the mark of the beast. You might as well say amen. I don't care if you believe it or not. I'm going to still preach it. Amen. It's exactly right. Amen. We're trying. Amen. They done got everybody to be submissive little lambs and to shut down and uh, put your mask on and stay six feet from everybody and quit going to church. And quit. Man, I feel like preaching. Woo! And we're living in that society that's just accepting. And everybody has got a tablet or an iPhone. And if they didn't have it, 5G's made it possible. So everywhere around the globe can see when them two witnesses are laying dead in the streets. That's where we're living at, church. We're on the cuff of exciting times. I mean, God's fixing a shift of gear. Where, hey, the horn's fixing a toot, and we're going to scoot. We're going out like Superman. Hey, man, I'm talking about God. He's going to give us a plane air ride. Hey, man, it's going to be noisy. It's going to be noticeable. Are y'all with me today? You see, you don't believe this. I'm going to give you an example. A good friend of mine's preaching a meeting in Texas when the government started shutting down. His meeting got canceled on Sunday. So Monday, he drove all the way back home. 
there wasn't but three or four cars from Texas to Louisiana. Every whole, it looked like everybody has, you know what all that is? Is getting people accustomed, getting people used to. All of a sudden, the hundreds of thousands of people gone at one time. I mean, great God in heaven, church. I don't know about y'all. I'm ready to get out of here. All these zombie movies. Hey, man, that's a reality. The church is going to be up yonder eating the marriage supper, shouting the victory, enjoying the good things of God, and they're going to be praying to die, and they can't die. Are y'all? That's the Bible. That's King James Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, there's policies in place. Hey, man, there's purposes in place. There's plans in place for the Antichrist to be. I always said this. You don't have to agree with me. That's okay. I'm, on, I'm not going to change anyway. I've always said, I believe if the Antichrist come back with a with an Easter basket in his hand and a Santa Claus suit riding on a UFO, everybody worship him. Y'all might as well say amen. These people scared to death. We ain't going to be fine. God have mercy. Them, them, them pictures that people talk about in the Bible being UFOs, that's demonic presences. That's demons. Are y'all listening to this preacher? That's what that is. That's the reality. There, there's, there's a battle going on in a realm that we can't even see. Y'all remember, y'all remember when Elijah said, God, would you open up my servant's eyes? And he looked around and saw fiery chariots. And, and, and what was it? He saw into the spirit world. There's a battle going on. David, hey man, and not just, matter of fact, Daniel was praying one day. And, and he said, when you first prayed, ain't that what he said, Brother Tony? When you first prayed, your prayer was already heard. But I was hindered from coming to you. There was a battle going on before he could deliver the answer that Daniel was wrong. I'm saying today church, if we could just trust the Bible and realize how close we are I believe we change how we're living change how we're loving and, amen and change how we're looking like Jesus amen amen. I believe it changes spiritually, morally amen, it changes everything amen preacher, amen thank God, hallelujah don't drive your tent stakes so deep in this world that you ain't going to be ready to go. I, I like, I was sitting beside that old boy over at the church preaching revival up there. He said, preacher, I read a whole Bible verse while they were singing, a whole Bible chapter. I said, really, what would you read? He said, I read this verse right here. Did you see this? I mean, he's probably about seven years old. He said, the Bible said when the Lord comes back, we ain't going to have time to go in and pack our bags. I said, we sure ain't. Amen. <laughs> hey, Brother Frank, I ain't got nothing I want to take there anyway. Hey, man, I mean, everything that we put value, it's asphalt over and people striving for gold and they pay streets over there with it. Is everybody okay? I'm, I'm glad. I'm looking forward to it. It's laid out right here in Genesis 3.15. The reality of Satan working against God's people. The seed of Satan, the wicked crowd being empowered by Satan. Plans, policies, everything that's going on. The purposes. God help quit pampering your flesh and start getting rid of that flesh and start con Confessing your sin and get sold out to God. Amen. It's reality. In this verse, there's a declaration of Satan's failure. Amen. The sovereign's forgiveness and the soul's deliverance. Somebody ought to say amen. 
I'm saying thank God Satan failed. Satan will fail. He will be thrown off in the hell. Satan will no longer. I preached the message one time on Calvary and I went over there. There's three thieves there. There's three thieves. That's right. One on the right, one on the left, one in the middle. Yeah, that one in the middle stole one right out of the clutches of Satan. Somebody say amen. Robbed hell of another tenant. Somebody ought to help me preach this. Woo! If I had a voice, I'd be rattling the windows. Amen. Hallelujah! Oh, he's going to come back like a thief. in the Are y'all with me? That old thief on the right side, he got more than he bargained for. Amen. He got a whole lot more than he bargained for. Say, preacher, what, what are you talking about? Well, let's just look right quick. Look over here in Luke chapter number 23. Amen. This verse in Genesis 3.15. Amen. It speaks of Satan's failure, the sovereign's forgiveness, the soul's deliverance. I'm glad, thank God, you can be saved. Look what the Bible says over here in Luke in chapter number 23. It talks about that old thief. Hallelujah. And that old thief, the Bible says, Amen. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. In verse number 32, look at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which rang, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answer rebuked him. Saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Hey, man, thank God that old boy confessed he is a sinner. He said, We get what we deserve. Verse 41 We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this old boy is the only man who spoke up for his innocence. But this man, talking about Jesus, had done nothing amiss. And he looks at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Hey, I'm talking about the reality. What that thief asked for. Well, I'm going to tell you, he just asked to be remembered. But he gets to reign. He just asked, thank God, for that other boy to shut up. And yet he got forgiveness. Hey, he just called out that he was a king. And he said, You're going to get to spend paradise with me. Hey, amen. He thought he was going down for the last count. He was just starting to live. His worst day became his best day. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Amen. Hallelujah. He never doubted in the dark what God said in the light. Amen. When the lights was turned off, he still had his flesh nailed to the cross and he never doubted. He never got deceived. I say glory to God. He got more than he bargained for. And church cannot tell you in Genesis 3.15, it says we're going to get more than we ever thought possible. You see, that day I got saved, I wanted out of hell. But I got more than I bargained for. It's better and better, amen, gooder and gooder, amen. That one old preacher said, tweeter and tweeter, amen. Hallelujah. The chaotic condition of the world, the catastrophe brought about us by sin. Amen, but thank God there's a coming Christ. Thank God sinners can be converted. Hallelujah. Satan has been defeated. And right now he's just flopping around, trying to hurt what he can. But he's been defeated. And one day he'll be 
be thrown in the fire. And we who are headed to the fire, amen, ought to have a little fire about us right now. We ought to be stirred up. We ought to be, thank God, amen, sowing seed, shouting the victory. Amen. Thanks be unto God for the seed plot and Genesis 3 and verse 15. It's all right there laid out in Genesis 3.15. He just takes 66 more books to explain it and reveal it. Boy, ain't you glad. Boy, God's got a lot in this book. Amen. God's got a lot in this Bible. He said, Preacher, what are you trying to preach? Well, I'm just trying to preach the truth. It's a family truth. Some people act like they've got over it. So I guess it's a forgotten truth with them. They've got over getting saved. They got over the fact that Satan was whooped for them. They got over the fact that a debt that they couldn't pay was paid by somebody who didn't owe it. They got over the fact, hey man, that sin does not bind them. Whoa, hey man. Satan don't hold them. Sin, I, but I'm going to tell you what, I don't understand why, but it's almost like salvation don't bless them no more. Souls don't burden them no more. I mean, as long as they got their camper and their ATV and their four-wheeler, as long, long as they can go on their vacations, as long as they can run up and down the road, do everything they want, you might as well say amen. And I thank God's given us, and I preached about it in Ecclesiastes, he's given us a living, and it's good for us to enjoy. That's the reward that God's given us, to enjoy some little benefits along the way. But anytime blessings get more important than the blesser, then the blessings become an idol because they come before the blesser. If you can have a camper, it's great. Then as long as it don't keep you out of church every other Sunday. Oh, I feel like preaching right there. I ain't nothing wrong with fishing as long as you don't let catching Nemo keep you from church. I ain't nothing wrong with hunting as long as you don't let Bambi keep you from coming to church. Somebody said, we even put one in the men's bathroom. That way you ain't got no excuse for going to see a deer go in there and look at one. Amen. Amen. Is everybody okay? Still scares the ladies when they go in there cleaning. I thank God. Hey, this is the truth, Genesis 3.15. It's a family truth. It's something that brought us together from all walks of life. We're a part of the same group. We've been washed in the same blood. We've been baptized by the same spirit into the same body. We're a body that will never, we're a body that'll never decay. A building that'll never be destroyed. We are a, we're a bride that'll never be divorced. Do y'all realize how good we got it? I mean, we're in this family because we've been born in, we've been married in, and we've been adopted in. Hey, can't nobody cut us out of the wheel. We're heirs and joint heirs. Hey, man, God has made it so. We didn't deserve it, but he loved us. This is a family truth. Hey, man, he did come the first time, but he's coming the second time. This is a family truth uh, that he went to Calvary. Hey, man, he defeated Satan. This is a family truth that 
we're, that the Satan is against the people of God, but that the people of God ought to stand against Satan. It goes both ways. Say amen. We don't go along to get along. We stand for something. Amen. That's exactly right. Hallelujah. It's a family truth. It seems to be in our day a forgotten truth. But I'm going to tell you it's a factual truth. It is a forever truth. I'm, a, I'm a looking for that place. Amen. When we get to meet the Lord in the air, that's going to be the loudest reunion. It's going to be the largest reunion. It's going to be the longest reunion. Are y'all with me today? No, it's true. Victoria, you come. This thing is reality. In Genesis 3.15, don't play just yet, sis, just get ready. In Genesis 3.15, he said, Sin has separated man from God. God didn't have to go to plan B. Jesus was the lamb foreordained to die before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a tree to eat the fruit off of. Before Adam was ever made from the dust of the ground. I'm talking about dust. Y'all ever think about that? We, you hear people say clay. That ain't what it said. You hear people say dirt. That ain't what it said. People buy and sell dirt. You pay money. Even red dirt. People pay money for red dirt. But they don't nobody like dust. And God took something that nobody wanted and made something. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, are y'all listening to this preacher? Before God ever made the first man, he already was going to die for us. Thank God it wasn't plan B. This was the plan from the beginning. They sung that song, I know the plans I've had for you. Some of you and some of us almost act as if that when we have troubles come in our life, well, now what you going to do? Well, he's going to do what he always was going to do. Because in, in Genesis 3, he reminds us, in case we forget it, there's that Bible interpretation rule. First mention carries true to last mention. The first mention of blood. What the fig leaves couldn't cover up, that was man's working. What the fig leaves couldn't cover up, an innocent blood shed could cover up. But that ain't the only thing. Satan is first mentioned in Genesis 3. The devil. In Revelations, the last mention of the devil, of the serpent, is when God takes that dragon, that old serpent, and throws him in the fire. <laughs> Woo! Hey, he started out trying to ruin things. Uh, but in the end, it's going to be his own ruin. Let's all stand, heads bowed, and eyes closed. Thank you for.